brought to you by Irish Rugby Tours, the Rugby Tour Specialists, AFIA Sports Training, committed to developing the sporting potential of future players in the US, UK, and across the world. And Dub Pies, Down Under Pies, stop by, say hi, and eat pie. Everybody, Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up back at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in Midtown Manhattan. We were out in Glendale, Colorado recently, and because of the uh, hospitality of the folks in Glendale, we were able to sit down for a candid conversation with interim CEO, soon-to-be regular CEO, Mr. Ross Young of USA Rugby. Check it out. Hey, everybody, we are back at Rugby Wrap-Up on the road in Rugby Town, USA for the Rugby Town Sevens. I'm Matt McCarthy, and I have the pleasure of being the no longer interim CEO, but... No, I'm still the interim CEO. But that's, I got the wrong information again. That, well, let's, let's, let's start know, again. Dealing with let's stuff. start again. Oh, no, that was funny, that was. Why are you cutting out? All right, we're going to continue. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up on the road in Rugby Town, USA for the Rugby Town Sevens Spectacular Tournament. And speaking of spectacular things and people, I have Mr. Ross Young, who is the interim or the no longer interim CEO of USA Rugby? Uh, still the interim CEO of USA Rugby. Well, when the, when the Sam Hill is that going to change? Because I've been lobbying for a long time and I am huge. Well, you know, hopefully hopefully in the relatively near future, but uh, we've got so much work to do and we've got to prioritize, we've got to make sure that everyone's comfortable with, I think, any of the changes that we're making and, uh, and you know, being consistent in how we do things, um, you know, to ensure that we put the right steps in place, communicate properly is important. So, you know, I'm here to do a job, I'm going to keep doing it, whether the word interim is in position or not, uh, you know, I'm, uh, the board have empowered me to get on and, and and look at how we take things forward. So, you know, that's my objective. That answer alone, ladies and gentlemen, it was proves that you should be the CEO without the interim. I mean, that was a great, that was a CEO answer right there. Thank right? You. Very, very well done. But now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. You got a lot of turnover. Yep. Right? Board, Congress, let's talk coaching changes. I guess Chris Brown is, is he an interim? He's an interim, yeah. Coach of the Women's Sevens program. Correct. Okay. Richie Walker's out. Correct. Are you going to change the status of Chris Brown? I think it's worthwhile just reiterating the, the review process that's in place. So the USOC, um, you know, in conjunction with USA Rugby, you know, a lot of funding, a lot of input into the program. So, you know, as part of the year-on-year -year process to them, it, it's all about readying yourself for, for the potential of getting an Olympic medal. Um, we're at the end of a season. Obviously, the World Cup was extended because of the World Cup this year, and we're doing reviews for both programs. Um, now, Richie's got some great strengths and done a great job, but the decision was made with Richie to to look at look at other options, which we collectively felt um, that would put us in a better position to, to medal in uh, in Japan. And we're still doing that process with the men's program. So we'll finalize that and then we'll make sure that we, uh, we prioritize what we need to prioritize going forward. But coaching is never easy. You always, there's always comes with a huge amount of accountability and that's not just results focused. You know, it's what goes on behind the scenes. Um, and as I said, I'll, the Richie, an absolute gentleman, a lovely guy. Um, you know, and he has said publicly and he said to me privately, 
you know, since we had the, the tough discussions that he is always going to remain committed to, to USA Rugby. Um, you know, there's no bad feelings. So it wasn't a case because people out there are uh, speculating that there was a demand that he had to win the World Cup to keep his job. It wasn't any of that. No. Okay. No, I mean, it, it's, it's a long-term ongoing project. Um, obviously, results are important. Um, had he won the World Cup, you know, not necessarily, the outcome might not necessarily have been any different. Interesting. Um, we're here at the, the Rugby Town Sevens. You've got a lot of quality talent. We've got a Falcons team that's really kind of a, a more, more than usually young Falcons team, yeah. right? Um, we've got the Collegiate All-Americans who had a great tournament. Yeah. They had a thrilling comeback win. Uh, against the Fijian team. Yes, a very good <laughs> Fijian team with like five yeah, you know, no, great Olympic team. players or whatever, um, World, World, Cup, uh, World Circuit players. So you've had some shining moments for American sevens here, yeah. right? players getting some, some playing time. But I don't see, and I didn't see at the National Club Sevens in New York, any of the men's coaching staff. For the senior team. Right. And I think you know, that's the pathway, the pathway, and having the right individuals scouting and looking. I mean, it, it should be seen. It doesn't necessarily mean that the men's head coach has to be there to allow the ident talent, identific talent identification process to, easy for you to, to say. take place. Either. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've got Steve Lewis here. You know, we've got Josh. We've got Adrian. You know, we've got Dave Hodges. We've got, I mean, there are a number of people that are here, and there are a number of people that are in New York that, that fulfill that role of building depth and identifying depth and identifying talent that, that comes through. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the, the must-have of, of the head coach being present at every tournament. That's, that's, my, that's my mantra. No, but I think it's, it, the important thing is you have the processes in place and, you know, I think it's clear with a number of areas of how USA Rugby operates currently that those all need to be reviewed and improved. Um, you know, it's and, and things not done in isolation. So the more joined up we can be, the more consistent we can be. You know, we're doing this review process currently. Um, you know, how the national office operates. We've got the new CFO, and he can't come soon enough. And we have to look at all areas of how it operates. The the sexy area is always the national teams and high performance. Of course, it is, but that can't be successful unless everything else works as well. So. It's certainly my objective to review that, review the high performance structures, and we should end up in a position whereby, you know, there is, there is a nice centralised strategy on play, how the teams play, be that sevens, fifteens, men's and women, that there's continuity, and you get continuity of the players that come through the pathway that play in that same way, and you know, sort of, so an identification process and events like this means that you've got very clear criteria right. players you're looking at to drive forward. So, again, Mag's done some great stuff on that. We've got s some great people out there, but do we need to be better and more joined up with it? Yes, and that'll come out as part of the overall, this hopefully this overall review process. I want to segue with that about college eligibility, specifically with the MLR, Major League Rugby, in mind. We have, we're here in Glendale, they have the Glendale Raptors. Uh, a very successful season kicking off. But we've got, you know, you've got some play, you've got some uh, attrition problems, some stocking the, stocking the teams with players, and especially when they go to play for their national teams, and now that the Canadian border has really been eliminated, and now it's a North American league, they're not considered international players coming up on the second season for the MLR purposes. 
uh, they're going to have more players from Canada playing more easily in the United States, and they're they're expanding the international uh, allotment of players to ten per per, per team. So you're going to have even a bigger exodus of team of players maybe going and playing for their national teams during the setups, right? Yeah. So in the instance of a college player get coming up and getting a run with an MLR team. As it stands now, if I'm not mistaken, they lose their college eligibility going back down. And that's something that, you know, that has to be reviewed. I think, you know, if you speak to any of the coaches at age grade, national team level, you know, one of the most common things that I've heard, and you know, even Rob Kane, who's been here relatively recently, you know, last week mentioning, not enough of our players play enough rugby at the right level, you know, and and it is, you know. The sport is going through a great period of growth. There is more, you know, and because of that, there's more visibility in what's going on, which I think has has caused us problems. I think eligibility, and if you look at how other countries operate with eligibility, um, if someone's good enough, they can play. And that's going up and down the opportunity. I mean, Bowden Barrett, for example, you see this weekend, you know, we'll play for the uh, yeah. the Hawks Bay, and yeah. the, you know, not a huge number of games, right. but those guys come back up and down, right. you know, to keep the right level playing. I think here, generally, and I think it's fair to say everyone will agree, there's not enough, rug not enough. The top players just don't play enough rugby. Right. We've sort of seen the huge benefits. Of so is your so, so is, come, come, is not, your answer? I'm not finished yet. I'm, I'm just because you are you are a C, you should have the CEO tag because you're you're dancing around this one a little bit. So are you thinking that right now in the current climate we're bound of rub right now by certain eligibilities and certain bylaws, and those things have to be reviewed. And we have to be handed down from World Rugby uh, for no, American no, college up, no, stuff. No, or no, it's up to you as a national union to ensure that you've got the right systems and process in place to manage the game in your country. There's certain elements of the bylaws that World Rugby have to be comfortable with, this, and, and certain elements the USOC have to be comfortable with about how we govern ourselves. Um, is, it, is it too limited now? Probably is, but again, that's, you know, I'm here to help and coordinate, and you know, what I've said from the start, and what I'll continue to say is, we have to do that in an open, transparent yeah. matter. There are people that sit on eligibility committees that have put huge amounts of hours, days, years into supporting the game without ever receiving a penny and are incredibly well-intentioned. But, you know, the, so they're going to have to be consulted. It's no good me saying, right, this is the way it's going right. to be. This is how it's going right. to change. This, right. Listen, guys, let's review this. You know, let's just work out what helps. It's just, you know, you speak to someone like Gary and the benefit of the MLR and the benefit that he saw in the June test matches just by having those players back in the fold after that the MLR season, night and day yeah. compared to when you had them, sure. a lot of them for the, for the ARC. So, yeah. you know, and the why? Because they played more meaningful rugby at a higher level. And you could apply those same criteria at the different levels of the, of the game. and. You know, we should have the ability of players to, to move up and down easier, but not, and again, that's the balance where you loosen it up, you'll have, you'll have certain teams and individuals that will then try and play the system right. for their own benefit. Right. So it, it, it's never straightforward, but yeah, I think it's, it's something we've got to look at. We are getting the signal that we have to break for commercial, Ross. We'll be right back with Mr. Ross Young.
If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. All right, everybody, we are back at Rugby Wrap-Up in Rugby Town, USA, with Mr. Ross Young, the interim CEO of USA Rugby. And, Ross, let's go to the governing body. We've got the board of directors, which is a limited board right now in terms of numbers because of people leaving and resigning and, and being hung in the square, uh, figuratively, of course. Um, you've got Barbara O'Brien standing in as the chair right, yep. of the board. You've got Todd Clever and Phaedra Knight as the player board Reps, the international athlete, the international, reps, yeah. right? Uh, you've got Sentinelli, who's in I that, that interim term again. Transitional, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, and uh, and he's in there, and you've got uh, Jeremiah Johnson Correct. still standing by, right? So these are the folks that are charged with eliminating the interim tag on you. Um, partly, um, you know, the, we can so time is relatively limited. Um, and I spent, along with Barbara and Paul and Phaedra and Todd and Jeremiah, in fact the whole board was on there, I don't know why it was just uh, limited to just be open and transparent with Congress about where we stand with regard to governance reviews. And you know, very clear from the start, from myself, from Barbara, is we want to do more of that. We want to make sure there is, you know, there is more interaction between the different entities. But you know, what we said then, I think what's been said publicly in various different forums is that board is there to basically oversee the transition and ensure that when the board is fully seated that the right skill sets are there and there's you know diversity in every sense of the word in you know in that board moving forward um, you know having a skills matrix having self-assessments done um, when you look at some of the issues with the previous regime was you know, you could argue very strongly that they were a bit one-dimensional, that the board members, all very successful people, all good guys that, that I've said before, there's nothing, they didn't maliciously try and do anything wrong, but they were all very similar because there was only really one criteria for a board member. So we've reached out, we've engaged with a company called SRI, Sports Crew International, right. who have done this type of thing with the Six Nations, with other sporting bodies, um, and are also recruiters. So building specifications and be very clear on what we're gonna do moving forward. And you know, we all talk about the national office, be it Congress, you know, there's a hub, the hub of a wheel. The hub of the wheel has got to be the board. Yeah, you know, that has to be the one that really oversees strategy, mm -hmm. you know, with the right input from the CEO, whoever he's gonna be, the CFO, the uh, We'll find out sometime in two thousand twenty two <laughs> who the CEO of USA rugby is. But it's, you know, it's hugely important you get that right first and how the CEO and the national office interact with that, how Congress interacts with that entity, because that's where the buck stops. Um, so you know, Barbara's been very clear that you know, she wants to be here during this transitional phase. That she's got no ambitions to be the chairperson moving forward. So it, no way is it a power play in any way or form. She just feels, especially with her political background, that she's well positioned, she's not really got any allies, she's not got any enemies agenda. within the rugby environment or right. an agenda. So you, know, so you conspiracy theorists out there, yes. she really doesn't have any agenda. Yeah. No, and it's, so let's do it, let's do it properly. Yes, we can't sit around forever, but we, and we need to start taking actions. There's also, you know, which has been reported before, there is some conditionality around to the cash flow help we had around World Cup 
with World Rugby having a degree of oversight into what we do as a as a union, and I think that can be a good thing. Um, like so we're going to have a we're going to have a World Rugby appointed board member because they lent us money, mm, right? They didn't really lend us money, or they engaged the line of credit oh. for us to do. Oh. CEO, baby, all perfect. Uh, you, uh, tomato, but, tomato, tomato. You know, yeah, but for sure. But you know they, and what they done was unparalleled. They've not done that before. I mean, what are we supposed to do? We can't do this, guys. Off you go. You know, the whole thing implodes. Everyone loses. Now, those were tough discussions. Um, you know, Mark Lamborn had done an incredible job on the financial sides and extracting different things. We're now got to put it all back together. We're close to reconciliation of, of the final figures of the World Cup as a project. Huge successes, and again, we might come on to that in a minute, but still financially difficult to deliver. You know, we've got to get that right. We've got to make sure that's right, got the CFO. So we have to be open. We have to be communic communicative about what we're doing. We have to get that board seated right with the right people. Um, where the World Rugby representative is going to come, maybe an Augustine advisor, Augustine, Augustine Pichot. Pichot. Pichot who's has always been very vocal in his support of rugby in the americas obviously he's from argentina and he appointed dan payne as the ceo yeah we, everyone makes a mistake don't they we can't <laughs> hold everything against him um just joking dan he's not joking dan i'm not joking dan. Um, <laughs> he's joking he's and you know rugby americas exists for a reason rugby americas north is another sub entity you know there's I think as everyone's trying to align what's happening, you know, the, the ARC and building the ARC is a tournament working with the MLR to make sure that's integrated properly into their season so a season flows. You know, all these discussions are things that, that, that we're having and, you know, we have to... And you're having them as an interim, interim CEO. But as I said, the board have been very clear in giving me the authority to have those. So you're not handcuffed. I'm not handcuffed. You're, you have the ability to be a CEO despite whatever the... Phraseology is around you. Correct. They've been title. very supportive, but I'm not doing that in isolation. Obviously, I'm doing that with, with their support. Um, you know, everything that everyone's talked about being wrong with USA Rugby before has been around communication. Right. And so I'm going to communicate to the board. There aren't going to be decisions made in silos. You know, what happens at the board is going to be communicated quickly after that board meeting to Congress and then as a form of a press release to allow let, to let people know what's been discussed and what outcomes Exclusive on Rugby Wrap-Up press release? Well, maybe, it depends yeah. you play your cards you just right. Said it, you he just said yes, that's a yes from a CEO. A maybe is a yes in CEO speak, right? No, I'm just I'm kidding. Uh, the board process of picking a, uh, a board member, so the, the findings from the company, was it SRI, is yeah. that what you said? So revamping Congress, revamping the board, revamping the process of getting on the board, is that, have they figured that out? We're yet? pretty much there with regard to the recommendations and currently the board is, the, the population that are board is part of a sub-nominating committee that's chaired by Congress representatives. So, you know, they have, Congress have been responsible for the seating of those board members. Um, there are, so obviously, complex bylaws that go and support that, but that's what happened previously. Now we're now, as a board, come up with these recommendations, so we need to make sure that Congress are aware and comfortable of those, and then we can ratify them, and then we can start repopulating that board within the existing structures while we review bylaws and put working groups in place to really get you know, some momentum behind some of the changes. But 
we you know we are restricted currently by bylaws and process and procedures that are locked and loaded we have to do things in an open community fashion and do them in stages and be clear on how we communicate all of those actions along the way and so we're going to upset some people I'm sure we will it's not going to be perfect we're still going to have to learn but now, I promise while I'm involved, we are going to be open and communicative about everything that we do. Um, and, you know, more than happy to come on these exclusive, this, not exclusive. No, this show. To, you know, to work with the media. And I think, you know, yeah. even since I've been involved, you've the same thing. A communications team, Calder, Alina, Gus, Ashley, doing Top a phenomenal notch. job. Top notch. You know, and, and you know, that's not by by default, Dan started that process when he was there and you know, hopefully I've given Calder more of a remit to go out there and do those type of things as well. So you know, there's been some really positive feedback on that and communication is key to yeah. everything we, we do. You know, before you came on and you inherited all this mess, you had RIM, Rugby International Marketing, the for-profit partner of USA Rugby. You had yep. their, their project was the Rugby Channel, uh, which was then sold for pennies on the dollar to Flow Rugby, um, those entities were not exactly making money for us, right? Let's to put it mildly. And then we had the burden of the Rugby World Cup sevens in San Francisco, which was a spectacular event. And you had Wales versus South Africa in Washington D.C. And these were big, big, big ticket items yep. that maybe we weren't necessarily prepared for. So the line of credit as you call it, 2.6 mil? And is now, and the line of credit's much more than that. Oh. What we'll end up oh, with right, right, repaying right. is going to be much, much less than the line of credit. But I think what's worth pointing out is that you know, RIM was set up as that for-profit entity. Rugby World Cup was awarded to USA Rugby as the host union, and the event was financially guaranteed by Rugby International Marketing. So sponsorship dollars, operating costs, that sat within that entity. I think it's no secret to say that you know that entity existing, unfortunately, a little bit too much in isolation from the national office. Um, you know, it got to a position whereby at the early part of this year, and again, Mark Lamborn and John Bobber have done a phenomenal job in diving in there at the time and and getting really heads on in the financials. It was clear that. Budget was one thing, cash flow was another. So, you know, money that money that sat within RIM, um, you know, had to, you know, had had to support the, the the cash flow that was required through to deliver the tournament, which was large, and there just wasn't the cash flow there to be able to do it. Um, so. Now that's why the line of credit had to come in, is we had to make sure that we delivered with World Rugby on our obligations, um, but we just no, the cash just wasn't there to do right. that. So that had to be removed from RIM, back into USA Rugby, and then that line of credit was given to USA Rugby to allow, you know, as you said, the spectacular event to be delivered as it was. So then Did it make money? No. Should it have made money? Yes. Did it lose as much as you thought it was going to lose? Um, pretty much on budget from you know the, the work that Rosie and the team had done um, across this. I think we were we were we were better than, than a lot of the budget. Unfortunately some of the costs that were supposed to be 
captured by RIM got when passed into that operating right. budget, right. Um, which skews it a little bit, but that has to go within that project budget when it was removed. So yeah, had it continued within RIM in the criteria of that existing budget, we would have hit budget. About the Wales-South Africa match, my intel, and it's, it might not be accurate, but I, I initially heard that it was 700K guaranteed to each one of those teams to come over, and then after the changeover at the, the board of directors or the governing body, it was then negotiated, or I heard it was negotiated that it was, they it's were going to split the gate. Right. The, the, the decision to go to that game and the pr that project and that P&L for that event sat within the event entity which was written. That's still there and it's still there now. Um, yes, there, were a set, there was a set fee payable to both the unions. Um, we haven't met that set or RIM hasn't met that set fee. So we're in ongoing negotiations with those unions. We've, they've had, and we can pay them probably the vast majority of it, but it's still short of where it should be. So, you know, again, as Mark and John have done a great job with the other creditors and removing, if you like, all those obligations out there, that's still the single biggest thing with regard to creditors in that entity that we need to resolve. Um, and, but that has to stay within RIM, that's not a USA Rugby obligation. So we need to make sure there's a degree of separation between those two and then work out what's going to happen with those unions across on the other side of the table. All right, and I'm going to segue here into our final question because you brought up Mark Lamborn and John Bobbitt. Golden Eagles, yeah. an organization of people that help with, with cash, yeah. right? A lot of times some of the criticism has been if they're creating a position within uh, USA Rugby, then USA Rugby can't really hold the person that's in that position accountable. Like, for instance, Alex Magleby, if I understood this correctly, initially when he came in as the high performance person, he was being salaried by the Golden Eagles. That's no longer the case. He's a USA Rugby employee, right? All, all I can comment on now is where we currently sit, and Mags is a, is a contractor to USA Rugby okay. with a set of responsibilities that are governed by USA Rugby, and he's accountable to me, and I have weekly calls with him every week. What can you say to the rumors that I hear that he is going to be the general manager of the Boston MLR franchise? Can't Must be rumors. He's Must contracted rumors. to us through till November this year, um, and I've obviously got to have those discussions with Alex moving forward. I think, and when it comes to philanthropy, philanthropy in general, when you look at the commercial structure of rugby in the US, has to be relying on him. We have to do a better job with it across all areas to support all of our national teams and all of our programs. John and the Golden Eagles have done an incredible job in generating a huge amount of cash, which has gone very specifically into the men's sevens. A lot of those guys also donate to other areas of USA Rugby and, and, and other national teams, so it's certainly not exclusive, but that's their main focus. And, you know, I know guys like Tony Riddell, um, you know, there's, and along with Fader, are trying to build out this Eagles 15 club to do a similar thing with the, with the 15s right. programs, right. men and women. Right. Um, and Yeah, the kickoff event was in San Francisco. Uh, that, yes, a, as, as was, you know, yeah. I think at Phil, a bar that first night. And Phil Tagami's yeah. also trying to do something similar right. the women's set. So right. there's lots of movement with that. I think that it is important that we, that we 
are very coordinated with those because at the end of the day they are there supporting USA rugby teams. The USA rugby teams are governed by the national governing body. Um, therefore, we have to make sure that what we do is in unison with them right. um, and the right funding goes to the right areas. And as you said, they, they can't control what happens within those programs. Um, that has to be our responsibility. But, you know, again, communication. Of course, by the level of um, financial investment that they make, communication with them is, is always going to be key. Um, because you certainly don't want to lose that. No, you know, no of course. That, and so we put more asset. focus on it in yeah. some ways. They, now, as we're building out, which you know everyone's talked about for years about this strategic planning and operational planning and business planning. You know, George Henderson did some really good work on some framework uh, around strategy 2020, but there was never really any operational or financial planning that went with it. You know, we need to review that, the the good parts of that, and. When we get the board fully seated and we make some of these key steps now, then you know, building out that proper strategic plan and communicating that plan and communicating the deliverables in that plan, you know, are gonna be that we're gonna have to flow through that through right. through the next year. But and that's our Bible. That's what I've got to be accountable for. Um, it's what the national officers gotta be accountable for, what the board's gotta be accountable for. And you know, that's gotta be our focus moving forward. Excellent. You've been more than gracious with your time. Uh, CEO of USA Rugby, Ross Young, to be CEO. Go get to watch some rugby now. Yeah, and, but I've got a parting gift for you before you leave, Ross, uh, just so you can remember our conversation here. I want you to cherish this always. See, I thought that was going to be one of those big checks with a bunch of money. It, well, it won't bounce. It will not bounce. I guarantee you that. So there you go, Thank kid. you, Matt. Thank you, Mr. Young. Uh, here's one fan rooting for you to become the full-time CEO soon. Hopefully it'll be done before this this actually airs. On that note, we are out of time. Matt McCarthy for the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34 in New York City, signing off.